All right, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this live digital panel. Today we're focusing on the topics of budgeting, incentive planning within your restaurant. Um, my name is Dan Jacobs, and I direct our partnerships and acquisition efforts here at RSI. And super stoked because we have a great panel today that I'm excited to introduce you to shortly here. Uh, first, just to cover a couple basics, um, we will look to take a few questions towards the end of the panel, so stay tuned in. And you can submit those questions via the Q&A at the bottom of your screen, so go ahead and pull that up if you want. Um, we certainly prefer taking questions through that Q&A uh, versus the chat utility. It's just easier on, uh, on me and my Time Life headset to see all the questions come into one place. Um, and uh, other than that, let's get moving into the intros. We have a, a short amount of time and a great amount of contact content. So our first panelist, Ryan Rose. You know, How we to doing? The, uh, there you are, man. Out of count. I hope to uh, hope to uh, give you some type of nugget today. Oh, absolutely. So Ryan, you began at Zocalo uh, what about 14 years ago now, and and just steadily worked your way up the ranks to. Uh, to now being the executive chef at, at, at Zocalo, is that correct? Yeah, actually, actually, uh, turn of this year, I, I just became the president. Um, so uh, I've run, gone through every level, which has uh, been pretty amazing. It was first job out of college. So to tell parents that uh, you're going to be a bar back out of uh, college is typically not what they want to hear, but, but 15 years later, here we are. Dude, congratulations and great Thanks. effort. Thanks. Um, you know, something else that, that I wanted to point out is that uh, Ryan and the leadership team at Zocalo also devote, you know, their time and, and talent and money to, uh, to the community. Uh, they're outside of Sacramento, as well as uh, including an annual fundraising event that generates over $100,000 for low-income housing in Mexico. So, uh, Ryan, thank you for joining yeah, us absolutely. today. Really appreciate it. Thanks. I appreciate that. Our second panelist, David Miller, out of... Uh, who is a partner at the Kickin' Chicken Restaurant Group out of the Charleston, South Carolina area. I love that town, David. Thank you for joining us today. Great to be here. <clears throat> it is Great. the gym, that's for sure. So uh, Kickin' Chicken, for those of you who don't know, they serve up uh, really high-quality wings, uh, chicken tenders, and, and a whole lot more that uh, comes along with the hospitality that Charleston's known for. And, um, you know, David's background includes a, a tremendous amount of leadership roles in operations, franchising, and finance. I try not to date how many years, David. I'll let you bring that up if you want to. Um, but, but you, <laughs> yeah, bite, I'm biting my tongue right now. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, you've been on uh, restaurant leadership, uh, you know, the, the, the president of uh, the restaurant uh, board there in South Carolina. You've, you've put a, another a tremendous amount of volunteer time in, in places, and uh, also Kickin' Chicken is another great supporter in the community. I think uh, I saw on your, on your notes there, you've provided over 4,000 meals for teachers over the past five years, um, which is, is phenomenal, as well as raising over $70,000 for Camp Happy Days, whose mission is to kind of offer support and encouragement to children diagnosed with cancer and their families. So, um, what a great story to have you two gentlemen here today, and, and I can't say thank you enough, David, for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. That's the common thread of us restaurateurs. Uh, we know how to give back uh, a lot of times through fellowship, and, uh, and, and when you got food, it's easier money. So we, we I, I agree with that. I like it. I like it. It's also my pleasure to introduce our two co-hosts today, Michelle O'Neill and David Downs. 
Uh, they are from our client advisor team here, our RSI, and Michelle and Dave work with a, a variety of RSI clients all across the country on topics such as goal setting, management mentoring, budgeting, and other CFO and COO type projects. Their experience provides such a great perspective into what strategies can be employed to really further growth in the restaurant community. So uh, for anyone listening today, I highly recommend you reach out to them if there's something you're working on in your restaurant. I do see Michelle's having a, a couple difficulties with the, uh, with the Wi-Fi's and the 4G's and the LTE's, but hopefully we'll get her back. And with that, Dave, I'll uh, kick it over to you. Perfect. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining. I'm going to take the first question and kick it David Miller's way um, from Kick It Chicken. Um, talk us through a little bit about when you and your organization, David, start that budgeting process and approximately how long it takes to get completed uh, for the upcoming uh, calendar year. When do you guys start? Well, we, we start a little bit earlier. We start in, in, in the late summer, early fall. Um, we want to stage it. You know, we're restaurateurs. Our, our, our management team is... Uh, is involved uh, from beginning to end uh, in the budgeting process, so we'll stage it. We begin in the early fall. We, we set the calendar. Um, we'll do year-to-date uh, sales comparisons over the last few years and look at our sales trends. And so the month of September is really concentrating on what are our, what are our sales going to look like, and, and that's a critical piece. Uh, we then just kind of jump right into uh, um, COGS and labor, and so we're going to figure out our prime costs. Labor takes a tremendous amount of time, so we're usually getting that in October. Simultaneously, or running in November, we will, you know, just kind of work on all our fixed costs and our other operating costs. Um, and again, you know, half of that is done by the restaurants, and fixed costs are done by our uh, office support team. And and as as we go along the way, we might amend something. We might amend our sales trends, or or our labor trends, or what have you. And by late November, we, we, we're, we're updating, we're tightening it up, and, and we, we, we approve everything through period 12 um, right before Christmas and then come back at 13, do period 13 at close 13. So it sounds a lot like a lot of work and a tedious process, but really what we're doing is giving everybody as much small chunks at a time because it's critical for our, for our, our restaurant managers and, and the teams to be part of that process. We'll talk a little bit more today, too, on a few of those things that you touched on, the, the labor piece and how to, how to best do that, the sales projections and how to best uh, get those set out for the upcoming time frames. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more, too, about, um, about what the budget means for your organization and how you use that in a strategic way. We're going to kind of dive into a little bit more of those subjects, so I'm glad you brought those up in the first question. Ryan, uh, for Zocalo, when did you guys start that budgeting process and about, about how long did it take you to get from start to finish uh, through the 2019 annual budget? I, I, uh, we're, we're on the same page there. We're, we're starting the year before, um, September, October, giving it a good look. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the way we set up is once we kind of have that overall budget set, uh, we'll then go into the, the, the areas that we want to mix it up a little bit. And um, if we're looking to, uh, whether it's add a product onto the menu or uh, we're looking to target a certain area, whether it be a revenue center at the bar or patio. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll create the whole budget, but then we take uh, the first period of the year and hone in on about three or four line items and uh, really just 
you know, we're just uh, adding major fuel to the fire to see if we can make some adjustments and make some change happen in some target areas. So uh, I think overall we're, we're getting that, made, that main picture of what our budget's going to look like. Um, we are definitely not um, futurists. We can't, we can't foretell the future, so we don't know. Uh, we're constantly uh, checking in. Um, but uh, most importantly, we, we dive into about three to four items uh, per quarter and uh, really try to make something happen inside those numbers so we get our focus. Gotcha. And so you're you're kind of taking that into small chunks at a time, and that and that's perfect. What uh, one of the things I think that that so many uh, restaurant operators, specifically, especially folks that kind of come from from other industries, maybe as, as they're entering into uh, into restaurants, they look at that budgeting process as throwing darts at a board in in a lot of ways. David, how how does somebody get better at budgeting? Um, outside of the quick answer, just do more of it, right? How do you get better and better at budgeting? Well, our, our management team is they're heavily involved in the financials on, on, on a week weekly basis and on a period basis. So, you know, we're always talking about the trends, the sales trends. We're always talking about the, the product mixes, and, and certainly in, in these days and time, we're always talking about labor and the labor pool and the amount of turnover. So, it's just kind of mixed into that conversation. So, it's just an off, offshoot of that conversation that they have continuously. Awesome. Ryan, how, uh, how have you gotten better at budgeting over the years? And I know you've had kind of a rise through the ranks. What, what have you learned along the way that's, that's made you better at budgeting uh, in, that, in that process? Uh, you you got to care. Um, you know, it's, it's not good enough. Uh, we're in a place where, uh, you know, you can hit the budget and I'm not, and I'm not happy. Um, and uh, we just kind of look at it as a, uh, as a, a, a target. And um, uh, in, in a competitive nature, we're always going, yeah, but uh, that's not good enough. So next year, let's tweak it up a little bit more. So I think that we, uh, our, our kind of overall idea is just simply um, we're constantly trying to get better. And um, just because we might have hit a number, didn't, uh, or killed it, uh, just gives us an idea of um, what different moves we can make to continue to adjust because it never ends. It just never ends. Got it. One of the things, and I, I don't know if Dan mentioned these in the in the intros. David, you guys uh, kicking chickens up to six units now total, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. Perfect. Ryan, you're up at three units uh, for Zocalo uh, currently, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Perfect. How does the budget change, or how does the budgeting process change um, if you find yourself with a restaurant that may be in even just slight decline in terms of top-line sales? What kinds of things are you thinking about readjusting if you're seeing a little bit more saturation in the market and the, and the restaurant sales are in decline? What do you, what are you focused on in that, in that time? David? Brian, you want to take that? I'll take your lead. Okay. <laughs> Well, <laughs> you got you got six. you got six. So I want I want to hear your answer. <laughs> well, you know the budget the budget is a living document. You know um, it, 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 it has to be able. You know we get it done, and you know the first we, we get it done in January, and then I send it over to the bank. Okay, and so that and but after that, it becomes a, a living document, and. Um, we we are committed to uh, to adjusting. We have we had a new restaurant that opened, that came online in September of last year, so we have no sales history. 
So we're just kind of just, you know, in the off season in the winter, how do we do this? And, and as, as recently as last week, you know, at the end of period one, um, the general manager and the, and the director of ops came back and said, we need to amend the budget to this. And, and um, um, they wanted to ratchet sales down. And I said, that makes a lot of sense. Make sure that the uh, labor is proportionate, though. So, so I want to interpret that. You say you, you create one for the bank and then you change everything? Is that what I heard? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Because we, we, we send our financials to the bank quite yeah. frequently, and, and they've got the budget comparison on the live sheet. So. You know, it's pretty it cool. To... Which, what, what, is, what does, uh, and, and David, you could chime in, but it, does, it obviously does help, help to have more units. Um, there's more numbers to compare. So um, it, it is the uh, opportunity to see last year, last year same store, uh, last year other store, new unit, uh, what is the uh, budget from last year. So there's a, a lot of bunch of different numbers inside of there to, 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 to find that, that number that you want to fall on for your budget for the, for the following. Um, but I, I will say this, is, this blows my mind. Um, our two oldest stores, so Midtown is turning 15 this year, and our Roseville location is about 30 minutes away, um, is turning eight. And uh, there is a, a little under 1,000 square foot difference. The difference in 2018 yearly sales, $80,000 difference. Uh, you're talking, um, you know, uh, a semi-week of sales difference. Um, so sometimes it just leads me to believe that um, the system that you're working uh, dropped into a place and, uh, you know, you're, again, you're making your adjustments inside there. Uh, but it, 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 it told me something about the system that Zocalo and the, and the things that we are doing uh, on, on the back end and, and kind of, again, just our values and our thought process on stuff, how it uh, can be dropped into a place and how similar numbers were just blew my mind last year. David, any similar stories from your side too? Well, uh, you know, I, again, it just goes back to you know demographics, and Charleston's always changing. Charleston's booming. Charleston's a great restaurant town, so you know you never know what's going to pop up next to you. So you just got to be acutely aware uh, of, of what's going on and make and, and make those changes. I think Ryan and I are in total agreement on that. So we're not going to yell at each other about that. No, no, we won't. But I, I would say, even inside of that, I mean, uh, competition is uh, uh, here in Sacramento. It was a great move. It happened a couple of years ago, but they dropped the uh, the uh, Golden One Arena right downtown. It used to be outside of the city, and instantly you got every national chain trying to jump on the boat. Um, and and here's the young, you know, here's the uh, the local guy still trying to make it happen. Um, what I do think is that uh, on the competition side, I do think that there are people that are just trying to get by and they're not putting in the extra work, uh, such as working a budget. So being here um, in Sacramento, which is obviously in uh, the capital of California, we are on the rise in minimum wage. Um, we, are, we went from it going on an increase of 50 cents a year to now a dollar jump a year until $15. We're at 12 now. That is a over a hundred thousand dollar hit to the bottom line per store. So if you want to uh, see the negative effect of economies of scale, it would be in those types of things. <laughs> yeah. If you, want, 
if you're not doing a budget, you're you do you're out. I mean, you're seeing it. We it, it's it's mid it's the end of February, which I can't believe it's the end of February. Guys, they're going out. They are going out. Your food is not good enough. Uh, you don't look good enough. You didn't put you know you didn't comb your hair enough to stay in business. You gotta put in the time to make sure that this thing is gonna pencil out and get a game plan because if not, it's a bumpy ride. I lost my co-host completely. Uh, Michelle O'Neill, unfortunately, is having so many technical issues. I'm going to try and run solo on this and do my best. So I'm sorry, David and Ryan, in advance for, for that. Um, we're just having some, some technical backgrounds. Thanks again. Uh, one thing I wanted to jump to, and you kind of broke the yoke on it there, Ryan. Uh, both of your markets are also seeing significant labor. David, maybe minimum wage isn't necessarily your issue because – most of your folks are, are, are not as many of your folks are making that base minimum wage in, especially in the back of the house. Is that true? Yeah. Minimum wage is not, is, is not the issue. Um, it, 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 you know, we're, we're, we're competing for employees just as much as we're competing, competing for guests. And, um, so you, you have to provide a competitive wage. Um, mm. um, much like Ryan does, we, we have some built in, um, um, automatic uh, raises that are built into our, uh, especially our back of the house employees. Um, sure. And, and so, so that's helpful. And, but um, it, you know, it, 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 it's, it, we, we compete for these employees and the wages are, are critical to that. The benefits are, are critical to that. So, um, and, you know, we're in a fine dining town. Um, Charleston mm -hmm. is a, a highly fine dining town and, as you alluded to, uh, I sell hand-breaded chicken tenders and wings, and we got, and we're a full-service restaurant. So, um, you know, we're losing a lot of people to to places that can go cook at a higher that have a higher average ticket, maybe a little bit easier to perform in the in the in the back of the house. And we have to be critically aware of that, and and, and that comes back in our budgeting. That comes I mean, that comes back to. We're 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 calculating average wages. We're calculating overtime, and trying to move that dial a little bit. Ryan, you I mean, you kind of like I said, you kind of at least broke the yoke on on the on the labor issue. And in California, it's totally different than South Carolina. Even though uh, even though they're uh, kind of bi coastal cities, fine dining town in 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 some ways. Um, talk to me about what changed when you when you're looking at those budgets from year over year, last year to this year. What changed in your mind in terms of, of how you treat employees? What what are you looking at? Being a little bit more creative, solution wise, how did that labor market change what your what you're thinking, or maybe even long term strategy looks like? We uh, we um, you know, there's a lot of really good questions in there, and uh, our internal customer is the most important thing. Uh, we mm. protect it to the death, um, and uh, because of external factors happening, which will never go away, by the way. Once once we get to 15 bucks, it's going to be a something else, and uh, what we can't do is play the victim and, and complain about it, and uh, we, we tend to want to just be proactive about it. Um, we're not going to take away from our employee, and we're not going to take away from the customer. The, the, the typical first quick answer, because... Uh, like David, they're not doing their, their plan in September and October. They're waiting till December 31st or January 2nd um, is to increase price um, or, or, to cut, or to cut service staff 
because that works for my my labor percentage. It it it, it just makes no sense to me. You, if if it takes, I don't know, ten servers to take care of the customers on a Friday night, why when minimum wage goes up, do you think you can do it with eight? Like at some yeah. point, the customer is going to be pissed, and at some point, that is downfall. That if you keep on making decisions because you are not taking care of the numbers on the back end, um, I don't want to, I don't want to even uh, think about it for us. Um, so what we're doing is uh, we're looking at the stuff. We're looking we're looking for the people that want to be our partner, that we, and we don't want any more. We don't want partners. Um, towel guy, if you keep on charging me extra for the dirty because you said that I got it, I'm I'm going to fire you. Like. That's not that important, right? So if you don't know that your um, linen company is charging you extra for added soils because you're not paying attention and you think that uh, to just cover that up, you're going to increase your menu cost, dude, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think it is a lazy answer. And uh, typically the lazy answers over a long period of time don't work out all that well. Ryan, you mentioned something really interesting there that I want to kick to David, and then I'll come back to you here in just a moment. Uh, the impacts on on the guest and your team of the of how well you budget or how good you are at budgeting, uh, David. What what are the impacts that you really consider in terms of your guest and your team, the the folks that work with you and for you? What what are the things that you most highly consider when you're writing that budget, and then how does that impact the guest on the on the other end? Talk me through that process and how that works for kicking chicken well we're a value-driven company um, you know, and, and so so we're a little bit reversed when the economy is going well when the sure. economy is going up people are probably being at a little bit higher end restaurant than the kicking chicken so right now it's a, it, it's a tight market but but you know so so we're all about value and and my formula for value is quality Divided by the price, as Ryan has alluded to, you know, it's there's a lot of people going out there and they're just raising prices, um, mm -hmm. and that's first, that's our first course of action, and and that can't that can't be it. It's it's controlling our costs. Our our mission statement for our budget this year is how to make more with the same or less. Um, so we basically budgeted our uh, flat. Um, we concentrate. We're concentrating on two areas turnover and hiring, and that's impacting on labor. Um, you know, the turnover, you know, you, you just got to get that under control. Um, and we actually had a two-hour meeting yesterday with all the assistant managers in the system about, about hiring, making sure that we don't, um, we don't take shortcuts in this tight labor market mm. because, yeah. you know, average hire is through, going through training is going to cost you about $600. And if you go out and look at a piece of mm. equipment, you know you're analyzing that. So why, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to compare our employees to to um, to pieces of equipment. But you got to look at it as it's an investment. And so you know. And so it, it went back to the hiring process and, and making sure that we don't take the shortcuts and and circumvent a two interview system or making sure that we've got the most experienced person in the world who's got because um, they've got. 14 restaurants under their belt over the last few years. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so that really comes back to that budgeting, that budgeting part of it. We, we 
budgeted this year, an incentive, a bounty incentive. And I believe that for every, um, you know, for every employee um, somebody recommends and we hire, they're getting $250. We started out, our concept started out as a driving, I mean, I'm sorry, as a delivery model. We still deliver within our, mm. within our um, you know, within our operations. And so delivery drivers, because of Uber and everything, we're up bounty systems of $400. And so, and that's certainly, that's certainly budgeted in and impacts it. Um, so, you know, it starts, it, it's, you know, you show me a well-trained, well-staffed restaurant, and I'm going to show you a very profitable restaurant who's hitting their budgets and getting bonuses as a result of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll get to incentive plans here uh, pretty shortly. Ryan, I want to kick that one to you, too, and, and you yeah. mentioned the pricing. Now, you kind of went the other way when we did our initial talk uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. You kind of went the other way when you're, when you're looking at to-go menu pricing or, or lunch menu pricing, um, the, or the, it was to-go menu, sorry, uh, the to-go menu pricing. You kind of went the other way and, and be, was able to were creative in being able to find solutions to stay competitive with the, with the lunch market. Talk us through that process. Yeah, you can, uh, you know, if you were to, if you were to Google the concessions of the last Super Bowl that just, just happened a handful of weeks back, uh, what hit the news is that they decided to not increase and inflate prices just because the game was at their, uh, arena. So it happened in, in Atlanta. And, uh, they kept the hot dog at two bucks and the beer at four. I, one of my, one of my really good friends who is a Rams fan, from here, shot down there to check out the game. He said it was an incredible experience. So I'm telling him the story. I said, dude, did you happen to see the pricing at the concession stands? He goes, I couldn't believe it. He goes, I had like 10 beers because they were only four dollars. <laughs> so this is my kind of guy, yeah. <laughs> what we read, what we read, he truly experienced. And guess what? Instead of having two beers because they inflated the price to 15 bucks, he had 10, right? So now did he not only have an awesome time, the guy uh, had a lifetime experience. He got to see his team in the Super Bowl. He flies down to Atlanta. But the thing that he was the most blown away by was the $4 beer. So uh, <laughs> we have a very similar approach in what we're doing with takeout. Um, it, it seems like David has a phenomenal uh, uh, outlook on, on delivery and what's happening outside of, uh, of your, of your space. Um, and we're getting in, into that as well. So we're, uh, we're a uh, full service. Um, we've always had takeout, but we completely switched the model. We, um, we, we've had some things that we have kept since 2009 recession times. And over the course of the years, um, they call this in the, in the, in the technical, your IT guy might call it legacy. And legacy are the things that are there. No one has any idea what it is, what it's there for. It just, it just was there. And you forget about them. And when we looked at our packaging of our takeout, we said, that is absolutely horrible. And we, um, we, uh, try to, we don't try, uh, what we focus on is, uh, who we believe our brand is. And we believe it, it looks like a black BMW. And our packaging was not black BMW. And we took a look into that and we said, we need to fix some things here because that's just not who we are. I understand that we made that decision to take care of recession, but we're not in the recession right now. And uh, let's, let's put some effort into this thing. We changed up our pricing model so that, um, you know, we're a Mexican restaurant. So every time you go into a Mexican restaurant, what do you get? Chips and salsa. You get chips and salsa. So we broke all that out 
and we're more um, uh, where you're adding it. It's a value meal. So you can get the entree because now we are able to bring the price down, the perception of the price there as well. And if you want the chips and salsa and if you want the beans and rice, then it's an additional. But now, at least in the pricing model for the takeout, which is outside, so you're not getting our service, you're not getting the ambiance, you're not getting the look of being inside our restaurant, um, we're able to compete with other takeout services, and they're on our block. And to think that you know someone wants to go for 20 bucks just because that's Zocalo's uh, meal, uh, it, it's just stupid of us to think that that's okay, and that's why we switched it up. We're nearly halfway into this digital panel. I want to shift gears just a little bit. We're going to uh, take it back to the incentive planning. And, and for me, budgets and incentives go really, incentive planning or uh, incentivizing management goes really hand in hand together. Uh, here's what's expected in, in terms of what we committed to do to each other or for each other in, in the, uh, via the budget. Here's what, uh, here's what it means for you and, and for, uh, for your financial growth. David, let's talk a little bit about how your incentive plan works, how the management gets bought into the program, and then, Ryan, we're going to come back to you and, with a similar question after this. Well, our incentive plan is uh, it, it's pretty simple. Uh, the, the, the restaurants and the key hourly employees receive a, a flat dollar amount if they hit their budget on a quarterly basis. Uh, and then they receive uh, ten cent on the dollar for every dollar we we exceed budget. Um, um, it, you know, you you can't. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that that they're they're part of the process and they've got skin in the game. I want them to pass ownership, so I want them to um, to experience some of those rewards once they hit it. Now, if they don't hit it, and you know, the if, if they do, don't hit it, and um, then we're talking about uh, is it because the budget needs to be adjusted? Are we not following some of the um, some of the human behaviors that, that get us there to, to do it? And then and you know and we have those we, we we have those conversations. I often threaten the general manager when he doesn't hit his budget when I feel like he should um, or she should to bring their spouse in and have a conversation and say, hey, by the way, your spouse thousand dollars on the table and your food cost. <laughs> You know, I love it. I mean, you know, had you, you dinette set or what have what have you? Um, um, and then we we do include some of our key employees, our trainers, and what have you, um, because we want them to feel some ownership uh, of of this. And it, it seems we we've, we've often looked looked at it to change it, but it just seems to be that you, they they have to understand the incentive plan. They've got to be able to recite it. So it's free pretty straightforward and, 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 and easy and they know that they're doing their job they know what they have to do on a weekly basis to hit these marks that's great Ryan you guys take a little bit different approach right if I if I remember correctly you're <clears throat> not necessarily uh, incentivizing or doing major bonuses uh, for for budget driven purposes talk us through how that affects things on on your side um, what does that do to your compensation? How do you how do you work with the employee longevity? How do you get them to keep them engaged in the process? We uh, on the on our management level, we um, we are looking for people. Um, we are looking for people that um, that want to win, and uh, we want to look for people that um, that want to be better, and people that are uh, uh, wanting to give to a purpose. And um, for us. What uh, uh, it, 
it's, it's the way that we get into management is to see some qualities in you to just want to do great work. And with that, um, uh, for as maybe, uh, I don't know, inflated as it might sound, um, it uh, has proven itself in a few different ways. So what I'm getting at is we don't bonus. Um, we, 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 I'm sorry, we do bonus, but it's not based off of hitting goals or any budgets. Um, we are, um, we are using our numbers and our budgets as a, it, it, to me, we're a basketball team and we have stats and you want to uh, have more assists or you want to have more rebounds and we're going to keep on coaching through to get you there because that's what you really want to do. And, um, really, uh, you know, the, the ultimate goal for us is that we stay in business for a really long time and you have security that here you're good and that here you have family and that here you can stay here for as ever long as you want to. Now, it does not work for everybody. And there are some people that need that extrinsic push to, uh, because that's what drives them. And that is completely okay. It just might not work out. And I'm very upfront uh, uh, with anyone that wants to get into management that this is the system. We bonus. And if there is a, if there is a pot at the end, trust me, Christmas is going to be good. Don't expect it. Because as you continue to give a bonus, I don't know, $10,000 at the end of the year, well, guess what? Next year, if you don't get the $10,000, then uh, I, I tend to think that that might actually deflate motivation. And uh, uh, I would just, um, uh, I would just, I prefer to uh, pay well and not do bonus. Now, inside of that, if you can continuously show that what you're doing is becoming a great NBA all-star, then you have the opportunity through your goals to come to any of us and go, look at, I, I think I deserve a raise. And here's my numbers to prove it. So really what the structure that we have here is an opportunity for you to use the goals that you have hit over a course of time. Prove to us that you deserve to be paid more. And that's how we tend to work our system. David, for, for what's a stretch goal versus what's attainable? How do you ascertain the difference between the two when you're in that budgeting process? This is a stretch. Where does that cut off? How do you reach that breaking point where, it's, uh, where it becomes unattainable? You have a debate? Yeah, sometimes I'm having okay. a debate between. Sure. <laughs> That's really good. My knowledge of where the, where the, where the chicken market's going to go in 2019 versus where my director of operation or, or my general manager, where it's going to go. You're going to, you're going to have those conversations. Um, I, I, yield, I yield a little bit, not always, but I yield to those who come prepared to those debates. Um, mm. If you've done, done your homework and you know, um, and, and, and so maybe the compromise is going, um, I think we're, we're percentage off on food costs or, or, or what have you. We may... You know, you can't, you know, you can't just write a budget and it's automatically going to appear. It's got to be a reasonable expectation. And, it's, you know, I look at it like a box. And, it's, and you're inside the box. You're not outside the box on a budget. You're inside. And you're just kind of tapping the parameters and kind of stretching the box. And so that's where we, if we, have, we have those conversations. Um, um, more times than not, I win the debate, not because. <laughs> I, I was going to ask that, yeah. From, but because my 35 years of restaurant experience kind of, uh, you know, kind of, kind of wins. And, and so, um, 
but but I do believe that you know if, if they walk away from the conversation thinking it's not obtainable, they're not going to get it. I'll go back to I want to go back to Ryan's um, one of the problems that we have had in the past, especially in the last year. You know the the downside on the incentive program is especially with, if if you if you if you if you make bonus eight quarters in a row, it becomes expected. Mm -hmm. So when you get on the ninth one, you know you really have you know you really had you really have to discuss that. And there have been times in my previous life, uh, I wouldn't say today, where I've kind of yielded. Okay, I'll give it to you this time. Um, but and, and there's a bud in there, so you have to be you, you, you have to be cautious. Um, the, the 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 incentive has to be a motivational tool to dig in just a little bit deeper and harder. And mm -hmm. I'll just kind of close this by um, nowhere in our incentive program. Um, I mean, the the, the the incentive program is not just it's not to take the place of any kind of performance raises. Or, or anything like that. It's just for meeting these parameters that we've all, that we've set collectively. One thing, in our, and Michelle and I are both in the client advisory department, as Dan mentioned at the intro here, we've been writing a lot of budgets for for folks that just need a little additional push. Maybe it's their first one, or um, they've utilized one in years past and never really held true to it and didn't understand the importance of it in, in certain ways. So we've made that that uh, that kind of nudge in, into getting them back into that program. And sometimes it's fought with a little, met with a little bit of resistance, and sometimes not really at all. They're really welcoming uh, to that feedback. Ryan, I know um, something that was uh, something I would like to get a little bit more input on is how you uh, factored in the compensation increase and budgeting, and how did you how did you arrive at the numbers uh, when you were going through that budgeting process? How what was the what was the way that you got to those those ending numbers for the compensation and bonuses? The compensation and bonuses. Well, I'll, I'll say this is that uh, one, if you do not have a client advisor, get one. Um, the, the training team there is phenomenal and uh, you know, we were able to start with, uh, with uh, Julie who um, just uh, was a savior for us because when we first got into RSI, we, we had no idea what our numbers were and, and the, the, difference, uh, the difference in the way that we're running in the two years that we have been with RSI is night and day. Um, the, the second thing is uh, uh, basically Julie followed me and she pushed me over to, uh, to Sydney and and, and, and uh, that was another great move. So what, what, what ends up happening is that you have someone that you can, uh, and I love the word that David used, is debate. And um, it doesn't mean that the client advisor knows everything just because that's what they do as numbers, but it gives you someone with a lot of knowledge to go back and forth and say what's right what's wrong and how do we get to an agreement and then you got to take it to, and then you got to debate it again and then we have to get and then we got to work with it right? so typically at the uh you know we it's just like our menu um we're looking at a market and we are we are interested in what is going on uh whether it be for, on the customer side or the internal side of where pay needs to be where our menu pricing needs to be based off of what is going on in the market right now um not only are we seeing the minimum wage increase, but it is a tight labor market in California. Sacramento is growing crazy right now. And what that does is it, it is eating up resources. 
And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the owner of Zocalo, Ernesto Jimenez, uh, you know, Zocalo's 15 years old, but he's been in the game for 26 years. And he would slap me across the face if we were not taking care of our people. And, um, and there are people that are with us today that started with him 26 years ago, and it's because he has taken care of them. I go back to the word of security. People have raised their families. Kids are graduating college, moving out, doing their thing, creating their own families. And there's a story there. And the story is, here you're safe and you're amongst family members. Now, people don't want to work for free, right? And over the course of time, you're just watching what's going on, not only in the market, but also in, internally. And that's what helps us get to the numbers that we need to in compensation. Awesome. Uh, last question. Budgeting as it ties into, and then we'll jump into the questions and answers here uh, in just a moment. David, I want to kind of make a correlation between a budget, which is an annual type of event, versus long-term strategy. And I want to I want to kind of tie that in and, and see how how those affect uh, the the budgeting affects what's happening long term. And how far out are you in your mind, uh, at least in terms of long-term business strategy? Well. You know, because there's so many there, there's so many impactful things that affect the budget that sure. you know, especially sales in the labor market, it's hard to look at it three, four, five years out. What we what we will do is is uh, you know we're a 21 year old brand, um, you know, been very successful for 21 years, and so you know it needs to freshen up. So we go we'll we start looking back at what Ryan said. You know, we'll start looking at you know, our, our menu mix and how we want to um, kind of change that menu mix out. Um, you know, we're 35% of our uh, of our uh, food sales are either takeout or delivery. And, you know, oh, wow. and, now, and now with, um, you know, new, new local municipality uh, um, pay, paper constraints or, and disposable constraints, we have to kind of look at that. So, We'll look at. We'll take a look more at how we want our our our, our takeout strategy and our delivery strategy um, to work. We'll take a longer look at how we, um, you know, the, the new new ways to recruit, the different ways to recruit, and so you know, it's really. And then we we because we own our, we're fortunate enough to own our properties. Where you know, we're we take a longer look at our fixed costs. And, and 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 how how those happen. We also, I'm sorry. The last thing that we do is take a look at uh, what we call our non-recurring expenses. Our our you know our you know what kind of capital projects are we going to take on? When can we afford to do those? So you know, outside of day-to-day -day operating parameters, we're always looking at those kind of things and how we kind of strategize those and build those in. Cool. Good question we got from the uh, from the general populace here. Do you share budgeted goals and and how well you uh, how well you perform to those goals? Uh, do you share any of that with hourly folks, um, the the folks outside of maybe that salaried management team? Do you share any of that information with them? I'll, I'll take lead on that one. We'll we'll share our costs. <laughs> we'll share our costs. Uh, you know, we're going to be a little bit sensitive about the sales for security purposes, but we're going to share our costs. Um, you know, it's the hourly people 
and their behaviors at work that kind of drive our costs. They'll drive our labor. They'll drive sure. our costs. They'll drive. They'll drive our repairs and maintenance. So we we do um, communicate with the staff uh, how we're doing against those in regular meetings. So I think it's I think it's important to keep everybody engaged. Certainly, you're going to get 80, 20, probably 20 percent who really, 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 really care about it, and and at least that's 20 percent more than you would have if you didn't share those kind of concerns. Sure, Ryan, how about you? That's a really good one. So uh, I would say yes. And uh, what we're doing is uh, we, we have a system, we call them OKRs. It comes from, from Google, uh, Objectives and Key Results. And uh, uh, what, what happens is it's driving, typically it's driving from the P&L unless it's something, uh, maybe a product launch that we're looking to uh, start out with. But that'll filter its way all the way through to, uh, you know, uh, front of the house staff and as well as back of the house staff. So they themselves have goals that are tied to numbers that are coming from the P&L. And for them to understand why, right, they need to know. And, um, you know, so we're targeting things that they have the most uh, impressions on. Uh, comps is a big one. So uh, we are, we are, yeah. we are big, we're big-time compers. Don't, don't tell Sydney uh, that we're big-time compers. She will hit me up on that all day long. But uh, we comp in a way where we're saying if, if you, it's up to you. So um, we are looking for people to be themselves and, and to make decisions, uh, make the decision and make it in favor of the customer. And for a, someone who is directly talking to a customer, if they do not understand that there's transparency in what we're doing and how to make great decisions, real time, don't go ask mommy and daddy, what am I supposed to do about a comp? If you feel that that's what you're supposed to do, then do it. I just want you to know that if you went this other way with that same uh, experience, you might have been able to bring down the comp number, but at the same time, it's okay because you felt that at that time you were making the correct decision in favor of the customer. Another question here from uh, from everyone kind of involved. Uh, there's two ways to kind of write a budget in my mind. Do you write it from the top down in terms of let's start with sales, or have you ever written the budget the opposite way? Start with profits at the bottom and, and fill in all the costs up above. Here's what I want to make out of this deal. David, how do you write your budgets, top down or bottom up? Uh, can I say both? <laughs> well, that, that means that means we're going to meet in the middle, I guess. Uh, when was like like I mentioned earlier, we have a restaurant that, that went online in um, in September, and so we pretty much know the cost. And so we're going to we're going to figure in the cost and say what does it take for this restaurant to break even? You know, in the first couple of months is all about you know kind of breaking even and let the dust settle and then. So, so with new restaurants, we go bottom up. Um, you know, while we're working on sales, I mean, we work simultaneously on a lot of on a lot sure. of different things. And so it, it 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 is literally like putting a piece of you know putting a puzzle together and you're putting this in, you're putting this in, and you know when you're done, you look at your comparables, you look at last year, you look at last year's budget, you look at this and say well, what piece is missing, and so then we go back and kind of tweak it. So I have to say it's a little bit of cost. But you know, it it even though it's the most speculative speculative, um, it really starts with sales for, for us. Mm. Um, you got and, and you have to have a reasonable um, outlook on sales. A restaurant is flat, they're gonna budget a five percent increase next year without any kind of justification. Um, that's just not gonna fly. Um, <laughs> and you know, just, just, so, 
So I have that's why I have to say both because we're I'm looking at, at a hundred piece we're looking at a hundred piece puzzle and we're just trying to put it both you know put it all together. I love his answer. You know, I love his answer because uh, you know just because you write it on a budget doesn't mean that it's going to magically appear. And uh, you got to you got to go work. And um, uh, what's really interesting with that is, uh, and I take this back to uh, talking about systems. And uh, it's phenomenal, David, that you've been in business for so long. Congratulations. It is, um, there was, uh, in, in, our, in our last increase in pay, we uh, started using hot schedules as our scheduling system. And inside the system, the system does not know our budgets for our labor. What we did do is tell it how many servers do you need for X amount of sales? How many uh, cooks do you need for X amount of sales? How many hostess? Uh, at lunch, what is it? At dinner, what is it? At brunch, what is it? At happy hour, what is it? What is it on a Saturday? What is it on a Sunday? We broke down every single number that we could, which took a flight out to Denver to see RSI to make sure we were doing this thing right. We added in a position to the front of the house, did not tell the system what our percentage, our goals were, and we decreased front of the house labor percentage with an increase in minimum wage dollar pay <coughs> of one and a half percent. And if anything, what it can help tell you is sometimes you have to change the system first because if you've been doing it for a long time, and you keep doing that same system and it keeps producing the same number, well, guess what? You're going to get the same freaking result. You know, so sometimes you got to get back in and go, wait a minute, man, we got we to gotta scale out. You're in the leaves right now. you got to see the forest and really see what's going on because you've had 15 external uh, factors that have come to you and you keep on using the thing that you did 15 years ago. That's why you're getting the number that you're getting. And sometimes when you understand that you need to change what you're doing, um, you'll see a difference in your numbers. It's funny you bring that up. That's how, always how I've looked at the budget. It's, it, there's one of two things that needs to be fixed. We either need to fix the budget or we need to fix what we're actually doing, right? And nine times out of ten, it's going to be what we're actually doing in terms of uh, how we're training people, how we're educating the staff, how we're teaching them about that stuff. It's exactly right, that, that fixing what you're actually doing. Um, we are right at 50 minutes. Uh, I think there was one more question from the panel. I had it pulled up here a second ago. Let me pull that back up. Um, oh, th I think this one, our, David already kind of touched base on. And, and as far as I know, this would probably be one of the best places to start, too. The question was, for a completely new restaurant, where do you look for a place to start on targets for the budget? Um, hopefully, you at least have some ideas of food costing and poor costing. But that break-even point for top-line sales is, is usually the place to start. Would you agree, David, Ryan? Right. Would you agree that? Well, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you this. I said we, we just opened up a, a restaurant um, a year ago. Uh, it just turned one year in January, and you're going in. You know, you think you're you think you're cool. You think you're cool, and you're out in this new market. You know, we're fifty. It's about five miles from our midtown location, and we thought we were going to do this because there's so many. We were so off. You know, and I think that. Uh, to truly know what your sales number is going to be, it's going to take you anywhere from three to five years to truly know what that is because you cannot forget that you got to work it. And you have to meet your customer. You have to know their mom's name. You got to know their kid's birthday. You got to do all that work and do not assume that just because your store 15 miles away or in a different place 
but you're just going to bring all those people are and everything everyone's going to love you um, so uh, one thing that we definitely learned is uh, you got you got to work it and um, and I'm going to leave it over to Dave to uh, David to figure out <laughs> how to get to the number because I'm taking notes on this one too yeah, David, I, I'll kind of augment that. You went through that, and you mentioned that you used the break-even analysis for your uh, kind of at least top-line sales figures and then know most of the cost down below. There you got the benefit of five other restaurants in the same concept. How close did you come to hitting, uh, hitting those sales targets right out of the gate? Well, the, the, uh, the, the existing restaurants uh, that we've had on, online, we come very close to our sales targets. Um, you know, there might be there, there might be an outlier here or there, um, but uh, but we, we come very close. Um, when we our, our most recent restaurant that we opened um, had the highest traffic count, you know, out parcel of a major shopping center, including Walmart. Mm -hmm. We looked at they're like, you know what? This is going to be the busiest restaurant we got. This is going to more million dollars. We didn't budget for that, but we know because we again our approach was what's it going to take to break even? And you know what's different from us is is that we buy we buy our property as we go, so we're owner occupiers. So we've got to fit that into the financing. That's why I said earlier I'm always on the hook for the for the bank. But you know, <laughs> got to do that. The, the only other thing that I would add for for, for new people is or for for people considering it. It really sounds like a lot of work, um, but it's almost like putting on a major event. The first event, the first year you're budgeting, you're just getting used to the budget. You're really getting how things work. You know, if you've got pretty, you, you, you'll come close if you've got a pretty good handle on your existing handle on all of your costs and you know what they are. You've been reading your P and L's. You'll come. You'll 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 get it. Um, so I, I, I would. Recommend that. Yeah, I mean, you just don't be afraid of just kind of jumping off a, the cliff on that one, and don't be afraid of being wrong. But we've mm. been doing this budget through our side. I've been doing budgets the last thirty years, but you know, we've been doing budgets through our SI since two thousand and thirteen, and every year it gets better and better. And uh, and I think it gets better not only because we have all this information, and we probably have a a little bit more of an infrastructure, but it's, it gets better because we're constantly talking about the existing um, P&Ls and, and, and costs with our management team, and our management team is highly engaged on that. They, this is the first year I, 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 I said, I'll give you a break. I'll let you, we'll write the budget, and I'll do all the inputting this year. <laughs> good, yeah. That's good. <laughs> I did the inputting. I had to. I had enlarged icons about fourteen times because of my age. <laughs> I like your glasses, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, but but it's 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 you know, if you've got everybody involved and 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 it's got to be a tool and a resource. It cannot be a weapon. Ah, it, that's it, good. It, it just weapon. It, now I, I've been part. I've been involved in companies where it was a weapon. And it's the biggest turnoff. And mm. so, if there are owners hearing it, you know, shame on you for thinking on that because that that does, does not create any buy-in. You got to end on awesome. that. Really good. That's, that was exactly <laughs> what I was going to do. I was going to call that David David Miller's mic drop, and I'm going to pass That's this it, back man. over to Dan Jacobs to wrap up. 
Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. What a great conversation. Michelle, I'm sorry uh, your technical issues kept you from being a part of that. She was IMing in the background, so thanks for your, uh, thanks for your help and, and being on it uh, kind of vicariously through me. Uh, David and Ryan, thank you so much. Dan's going to recap, and then we will wrap this up for today. Thanks again, guys. Thanks. Gentlemen, that was, uh, that was dope. My God, my, my pen and pad couldn't keep up there for a minute, especially with the, uh, the finale, David. Wow, cannot be a weapon. I think, I think that's one of the things, right, that, that there's a fear sometimes with this process of budgeting that we're going to incorporate this corporate culture that squashes creativity in our restaurants. And quite honestly, what I heard out of both of you was it does just the opposite. The budget forces creativity. It forces, in, in California, it forces creativity to look at your business and go, all right, I'm going to have to change something here. I'm going to tweak this, that, and the other. I'm going to try new things. I might make a couple mistakes. I might drop an egg or two. But nevertheless, the process didn't defeat the purpose. Um, so many of our clients, we use the analogy, they go, they go to the beach and they lift up a rock and all that shit goes running, and that's what the budget feels like to them on day one. And so I appreciate that what you've brought to the conversation today is a face to that boogeyman that it can be done, that it can be done with the help and, and effort, provided you care, right, provided you put the work in, and you both have, have commented on that. Um, and, and really, I, I love the other takeaways uh, when we talk about incentives, and, and the statement was made, we compete for our employees as much as we're competing for guests. I think, David, you're like a, a, a plethora of one-liners that we're just going to plug <laughs> in from, for every digital panel right now. Um, but yeah, no, that was good stuff. And then ultimately, you know, when you're, when you're going to tackle this thing, you guys touched on this in the beginning, you don't start in January. You start the, the, this living document and working through that document in Q3, Q4, and, and you keep that top of mind. You communicate that through the entire organization. It doesn't mean that, you know, a dishwasher is necessarily going to have to examine a, a P&L. It means that you're trying to explain to them what their impact of every decision is made, you know, how it can impact the, the total machine, the entire team. Uh, I played basketball in junior high, so I, I, I totally picked up that analogy, Ryan, of five players working together. When that happens, you, you're, you're a machine and you can't be stopped. So. I think that's my March Madness tie-in as we're getting close. <laughs> Michelle, Dave, David Miller, Ryan, thank you again for all the time invested. I wish you the best and uh, look forward to doing this again sometime soon. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank Have you. a great Cheers. evening.